give and let's welcome the greatest executive pastor on the earth, Pastor Marty Derricott. Thank you, PK. You wonder, you wonder sometimes when you get announcements like that or an introduction like that, who's she talking to? I want to look, look around the room like, what? I thought I was going to be speaking tonight. <laughs> I love it. Don't you love it? The Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. Got a text from Bob Kaufman, uh, Lisa is in the hospital. Lisa, Miss Kaufman, is, has COVID pneumonia, and he just texted me and said they are looking to move her to another room because the oxygen in one room is not adequate. She's got to go to another room, and he said the next step is ventilator. So I replied, tonight is her turnaround moment. Jesus is king. So, Lord, we just lift up Miss Lisa to you. You are beautiful. You're perfect in all your ways. Your timing is impeccable. And so, Lord, tonight we rest. We rest and we pray that Bob rest and Miss Lisa rest in the fact that no matter what the circumstances and situation looks like, no matter what the symptoms try to scream to her, you are Lord. You are Jehovah. You are creator of all. You are the creator of her body, her lungs, the air, the oxygen, and so, Lord, we thank you right now that what doctors and medicine has brought her up to this far, that you would step in and intervene for her, that her complete healing, mind-blowing miracle would fall tonight into that room. Lord, that, that cloth that Mariah Rowland was able to take into her right now, activate that little simple, insignificant piece of cloth let it be consumed with the kingdom and the glory of God. Breathe on it afresh tonight, Lord. Let it, let it bring refreshing to her, to her body. Let it quicken her mortal body tonight. We know it's the kingdom of heaven that can do these things. Jesus, you paid a great price for her. And we thank you that tonight she will receive her miracle. In Jesus' name. You believe that? Well, pat a cake or clap one, I don't know. <laughs> Do something. I just believe. I believe with all my heart. Matthew, um, actually, let's go to Hebrews. I was going to say, did we take up the offer? Yeah, you already took it up. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11. Um, when Michael opened up the service with that scripture, he was talking about the six water pots and... The Bible says they were either 20 gallons or 30 gallons per. Knowing the scriptures and knowing what the Lord Jesus loves to do, I would venture to say it was probably more like the 30 gallons. That's the kind of God we serve is the exceedingly abundantly. It would probably hold 29 gallons. And the Lord said put 30. That's just the way he kind of does things. So I was kind of doing the math on that and just kind of looking at the scripture while he was reading it. Thank you, Michael, for doing that. It opened up some things to me that what once was water became wine. You know what you read? You know what you heard? What once was water pots became wine pots. What was a vessel of water 
became a vessel of wine, right? Six, how many water pots? Six. Probably more like, bless you, probably more like the 30 gallons range. So it's like the Lord started then doing 180s. He started then. Doing 180s. I'm a youth pastor. I think like that. 30 gallons. Six water pots. Water to wine. He did a complete 180. He's never stopped doing 180. If people say, hey, when Jesus stepped into my life and I did a complete 360, no, you didn't. If you did, you're still on the path to destruction. You need to do a 180. I don't want to go back the same way. I want to get out of that roundabout. Don't take me back to the same place. I tried that. It left me broke, busted, disgusted. It's funny, you were reading that. The Lord just speaks to me like that. He's just like, hey, Marty, I did a 180. <laughs> I loved it. Well, that was for me. Hebrews chapter 11. <laughs> Man, thank you, Joni, and the worship team. I know... We always say that, but man, 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 I'm telling you. And I'll be reading out of the King James tonight as well. Hebrews chapter 11. I never preached this. This is new to me. I know it's new to you. It's new to me. This is not some cookie-cutter, canned message that I've taken all over the nation and the world. This is new. Not that those messages are wrong. You know, sometimes when you get that message deep on the inside of you, it comes out a little bit better. There's, there's just a little bit more power and anointing when you've studied it to show yourself approved with it. Then you can deliver it in such a way with such confidence and you can add stories to it, and you can put all the spices. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You know when you make, you know when you make like, um, I don't know, I'm not a cook, but like your own casserole, and you, and you download the recipe, or you go to Granny's cookbook, you know that big old album thing she used to have in the drawer, and pull it out, and it's got notes on it and everything, and, and you can't do it quite like Granny, because then it would be Granny's casserole. But you can put your flair to it, put your own spices in there. Well, that's kind of what happens when you get that message on the inside of you real good. Then you can add stories and then you can add testimonies to it and put your flair to it and other scriptures to help build off of it. This is not one of those messages. I don't, this is fresh. You know, I can't, it may not come across with the, <clears throat> you know, that, that it should because I've never preached it. Is that okay? It's Wednesday night. I mean, we're, we're home folk anyway. Hebrews chapter 11. When you're there, pop to your feet. I know you feel like you're at mass. That's okay. We just want to stand. <laughs> Reading of the word. Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it... The elders obtained a good testimony. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. I want to speak to you tonight for just a moment on a subject called now faith. Lord, this is your word. This is your sacred desk. I stand behind it, Lord, praying and desiring that everyone would see the cross first, the hope first, your promises first, before anything else, that you would be glorified in everything that's said and done tonight. Lord, your word, it brings correction, instruction, revelation, but tonight let it bring transformation to me and every hearer in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You can be seated. You can close your Bible. That's all we were going to read tonight. I will, I will probably, most likely, share other scriptures, but you will not be able to turn there fast enough. Before I'm done reading it, you'll be just locating it. So Hebrews 11, 1 and 2 is all you will need to see tonight. And if you want to have your Bible open just to make sure I'm not, you know, missing a word or two, it's in the New King James or... Call me out after, send me an email. I want to make sure I get everything right tonight. But the, but the two most important words you will hear tonight is now faith. Say now faith. Look at your neighbor and say now faith. Faith that I had last Sunday night won't get me through tonight. Tomorrow's hopes and dreams are awesome, but it's not now faith. Sometimes you need now faith. If you minister on the streets with Joel Crumpton and his team, you don't need last year's scripture that gave you faith for that situation a year ago. You need now faith. Because the situation that you stepped into right then and there has never come around your way before. It's a new season. It's a new moment. It's a new person, a new issue. I don't need last month's faith. I need now faith. I want to talk about faith tonight. Do you know there's different levels of faith? Hebrews 11, 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. I used to read it this way. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But now I understand to read it this way. Now faith. Not 9.30 faith. 7.45 faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We see with the natural eye, in, in, the, in the material world. But we see in faith for the spirit world. It's easy. It really is. It wasn't easy to get there, but it's very easy for me now to pray and minister to people, whether in the altar or in the water or in the foyer or in the parking lot or at Publix or at the restaurant, it's easy for me, easy now, wasn't easy to get there. It's easy for me now to use now faith. It took 30 years to get there. It took 30 years. 
I have faith when that man got carried in in that chair on Sunday night and we took a bucket and poured water over his head. I am fully persuaded that that man's going to be healed. I don't know how to explain it. I didn't see it happen Sunday night. That's irrelevant. I'm not connected to the outcome. I'm connected to the obedience of what he's asked us to do. I just believe. It's, it's very easy for me to look at somebody that's dying with stage 4 cancer and say live again. It is. It, it wasn't, I want you to hear this. It wasn't easy to get to that point, but it is now. And I'll explain it in just a moment why it's easy now. How many of you, maybe you already live there. Do you live? Well, I don't want to do that. How many of you would love to live? Maybe you already do, or you would love to live in that place where it's easy to have faith that moves mountains, and no matter what, demons are coming out, cancer's going to leave, the leg is going to grow back. When we prayed for that man in that water, when that woman that gave that testimony, I think her husband's name was Ben, I think, big old tall, big guy. When she got in that water, and her husband said, my, my leg's, you know, shorter, three inches, or, or three quarters of an inch shorter, and, and he was in back pain and all this other stuff. When we went around the corner and told him to sit down and grabbed his feet, we knew that leg was coming out. It didn't have a choice. Not because of who we are. That has nothing to do with it. I'm nobody. Come on, man. I'm from Rabbit Town, Georgia. Ain't nothing good ever come out of Rabbit Town but the cafe. Nothing, ever came, nothing good ever came out of Rabbit Town. It's not about us. But man, when you understand that you have been given power and authority and you are responsible to carry out the kingdom, you take on another level of now faith. It does. You, you just get to the place where you have to own it in that moment and, and God, if you can, just help me because I don't want to be embarrassed if nothing happens. It, are you kidding me? It has absolutely zero to do with who, with, with me. But then again, it has everything to do with me. Because I carry the kingdom. You carry the kingdom. Don't, don't look now. That's not a braggadocious, that's not a, that's not a, a, a bragging ounce of, of flesh that would say that. Luke says, the kingdom of heaven is within you. That's what he said. Jesus' own words, the kingdom of heaven is now within you. When you understand that and you carry that responsibility and that honor, are you kidding me? I get to be used. I'm sharper than any scalpel. I'm more potent than any medication and chemical. What's on the inside of me when it's released to get on the outside of me to somebody else? That's resurrection power. But, but to get there... 30 years to get there. 30 years of pride and, oh, I don't know, if, what if it doesn't work? I live that. I live what if it doesn't work. Oh, God, what if it doesn't work? And the Lord's like, why don't you leave that up to me? Why would you worry about something you're not even capable of doing on your own anyway? That's revelation. That's when you can operate in now faith. That little girl got in the water <laughs> Sunday night. She's 15, 16 years old. Cuts on her arm. So she's got cuts on her thigh suicidal and depressed and anxious and all this other stuff and terrible relationship with my dad and you know first of all we made sure I asked her I said who is Jesus Christ of Nazareth to you I love that question I don't ask who is God 
you'll get a vague, well, he's a rat, he's a spider in India, they worship uh, cattle. When I was in India, I watched with my own eyes, people would walk behind a bull, wait for it to urinate, catch it, and pour it over their head. I saw it with my own eyes. Thinking that this bull or this cow, this heifer, is going to anoint me with urine, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, you know, I don't know what they do. Why are they doing it anyway? Well, what are they baptizing? Clean? I guess the cleansing of their sin? I don't know what they're, do, what they're doing, but they, they would walk around, and they worship rats, and you can't touch the monkeys. They're like, don't touch the monkeys. That's people's gods. I said, listen, if a monkey comes to my table and puts something on my, I'm going I'm to shoot it. I'm going to throw a shoe at it. I'm going to elbow drop it. I'm going to drop kick it. Something's going to happen to that monkey. They're like, no, 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 you can't touch a monkey. If it comes over here, you're, it's somebody's God. I said, well, that God's going to be dead. Because I don't know about y'all. That food over in India, it ain't, you know, you got to get what you can get. Ain't no monkey going to come steal my food. But they worship all kinds of, so you don't ask that question. The question is, who is Jesus Christ of Nazareth to you? And her response was, well, he's my brother. He's a good man. I said, have you ever been born again? She looked at me like a cow at a new gate. She's like, hmm? I said, have you ever been saved? Have you ever been born again? She's like, like what is he talking about? Well, that, that was the red flag for me to proceed with, you know, the Romans road or whatever you can do in the moment to say, hey, listen, I, I use Ray Comfort's way of the master. I love that approach. My approach to her was, I'm going I'm to ask you four questions, three or four questions, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you my answer is yes to every one of them. I'm guilty of all three or four that I'm going to ask you. So just know I'm not... I'm not trying to put shame or throw shame on you. I've done every one of these up front, so just know I'm guilty. You may not be, but I am. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I said, have you ever told a lie? And before you answer that, I have. And she said, yeah, I have. And I said, second thing, have you ever looked at another one lustfully? You ever looked at another man lustfully? Well, now you can look at the same sex. You know how it is? In, well, wake up. We're in that place where you can look at the... Same sex. I said, have you, have, you, have you ever looked at another one lustfully? I said, I had in my life. I had. I'm not, I'm not proud of it. I'm ashamed of it, but I have. And she said, yeah. I said, have you ever taken the Lord's name in vain? I said, I have. And oh my gosh, can't believe he didn't strike me dead, but I did. Have you ever done that? She said, I have. And I asked her one more question. Have you ever stolen anything, I believe? And, and it was four for four. Four out of four. I said, do you know the Bible says if you're guilty at just one of those? Just one. That's, that, that's enough to separate you from the Father. It's not that he's mad at you. He's a just God. And when sin entered, and I'm trying to do all that in a matter of three or four minutes, you know, in the water, you're trying to do all that. And so anyway, man, tears started welling up in her eyes. And you know, you're like, Jesus is like squeezing on that heart like, yeah, I'm knocking. And every time he would knock, more tears would come. I want in. That's the way I see it. I'm a youth pastor at heart. I want in. Let me in. I can change you. I can break the chains. And so anyway, I said, do you want to receive this Jesus that I received? And he forgave me of all of that. She said, I do. So we led her to Jesus, man. And I had, I think, Lorraine Barge and somebody else. I can't remember who's in the water. I said, these ladies, I'm going to pour, pour this oil over your arm. And they're going to rub your arm. And I believe every scar is going to go. And as they rub your arm, they don't have to rub your thigh, but even the thigh scars are going to go away. And I said, here's why. I believe the old covenant scripture, I still believe it applies. It may be old school, but it's still good school. That old covenant still, okay. I said, in the old covenant, it says he would heal 
he would heal your wounds and restore your health. Not only does he want to restore you mentally and all this other stuff, he wants to heal the wounds. He wants to take away those risen. We've seen it happen with Brenna. It'll, if he did it for Brenna, he'll do it for you. And she's like, okay. I just believe. I, I would not, I would, it would not shock me one bit for that girl to come in and go, look, I got no scars. I would, I, I know. That's what Jesus, only Jesus does that. Cocaine won't do that. Heroin won't do that. Adultery and all these other things that we chase after, money, none of that stuff will do that. Jesus is the only one that will fulfill and even wipe away the wounds. My Lord. Now faith. Here, here I'm going I'm to jump right into it. This is about to get good in a matter of, oh, just a couple of minutes. It was good for me anyway. Do you know as a believer you have been given a measure of faith? That's what the scripture says. It says in Romans 12, 3, For I say, though the grace given to me, everyone who is among you, not to think of themselves more highly than they ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Faith is measurable. If faith can be measured, that means I can get more of it. And I can give, I can give it away. I can step out of faith. I cannot use faith. Well, how do you, how do you figure that? Remember when Jesus was um, addressed by that father? And he said, hey, I brought my son to your disciples. They couldn't help him. Well, what an accusation. Against the people who walked, slept, ate, went in boats with, fished with, right beside him. They were there. They were in his life every day, watching, listening. And, and, and the accusation from the daddy was, you know those men you've been pouring your life into? Those men you've been rubbing elbows with, eating with, sleeping with, spending all of your time with, teaching them about the kingdom, those men? And Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, they're, they're my disciples. He said, I brought my son to them, and they could do nothing. What did Jesus do? He turns to him and he says something. He said, oh, you have a little faith, right? How much faith do they have? How much faith do they have? Little faith. He measured it. Oh, you have a little faith. This kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Every day with Jesus is an open book test. He's not trying to shock you or throw you off track. It's always open book. Jesus said, boys, listen. We, sorry for some who may get offended for me saying that. Disciples. Disciples, this kind, first of all, you have little faith. It's measurable. I, I've spotted your cup, and it's, it's running way low. It's little faith. Perverse generation. Does it say little faith? Is that what it says? Is that what it says? 
He's trying to throw me off. Is that what it says, really? Somebody go find it real quick. Somebody go find the passage. Everybody's waiting on somebody else. <laughs> He's not talking to me. <laughs> somebody, anybody, first one. He said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. But what did he say to them? I want to know the measure of their faith that he said. Was it little faith? Is that what it says? Anybody got it? Anybody found it? It's in the New Testament over there. <laughs> what? Matthew 8, 26. What does it say? Of little faith. That's what he said. Then he arose and rebuked the winds of the sea, but that's a different passage. Oh. But it still says, he says it yeah. again, ye of little faith. Says, where's the one where he's addressing them at, at the dad's request of, I took my son to, where is it? Mark 9. Are you there? Y'all, it's Wednesday night. We're, we're just laid back. We're just laid back. Yeah, what does it say right there? Are y'all okay? Yeah. Just laid back. It's whizzing up. Okay. He said, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. So he didn't say little faith. He said faithless. What, what, is your, what version is that? New King James? What's the other version say? What? Faithless. Is there another version? What version is that? Does anybody have uh, like English Standard or King James or what do you got, Tony? Faithless and twisted. Does anybody say little faith or does anybody's version say no faith? Mark nine what? Mark nine twenty. Mark nine nineteen. Unbelieving. What does it say? It says little faith. What version is that? English Standard. What does yours say? Unbelieving generation. Little faith, no faith, faithless. Does anybody say no faith? So he's measuring something. Jesus assesses the situation. He looks at them... And he rebukes them, and he said, O ye of little faith. Watch what he says in Matthew 6.30. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow's thrown into the oven, will he, do, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Faith is measurable. Jesus said you got little faith. Your cup is almost empty. How can you pour out a little, a little bit of empty? You got a little cap size. I want a six 30-gallon water pots full, and you got a little thimble full of faith. Jesus is measuring their faith. Faith is measurable. Matthew 8, listen to this. Matthew 8.10 says, When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who follow, this is Jesus' words, Surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. So you got little faith, and then you got great faith. Say little faith. Great faith. You don't want to be found in little faith. You want to be found with great faith. 
Then he said, y'all remember when Peter stepped out of the boat? He took his eyes off Jesus and he began to sink. Jesus said to his own disciple, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? He is measuring faith time and time and time again. In another passage, a woman came to Jesus and told him her daughter was severely possessed by demons. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, help me. That's all she said, Lord, help me. That's all she had to say. That was her prayer, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. That's all this woman says. She didn't have to go into um, a four-hour counseling session with anybody. She didn't have to beg and scream and offer money to buy anything. She didn't do anything. She just said, Jesus, help me. Lord, help me. Watch this. She said, Lord, help me. And Jesus responds to her immediately. And he says, oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be done unto you as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. Her prayer was simple, but her faith was great. When you have great faith, you don't have to pray long, lengthy prayers. And side note, when you live close to the throne room, you don't have to shout. When you're up close to Him, you can just whisper. Martha would have had to shout. Mary just said, just whispered. Spend time at his feet, you won't, you won't lose your voice. All right, I got to hurry, got to hurry. I got to hurry. Watch this. <laughs> Jesus and his disciples are in the boat again. Things always happen in boats. Jesus spent a lot of time in a boat. Mark chapter 4. Jesus and his disciples are in the boat. Then he arose and rebuked the wind. I think that's where, I think that's where you were talking about, Pastor Andy. He arose, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. But he said to them, Who was in the boat with him? Bystanders? People from another village? Who was with him in the boat? We all agree it was the disciples, right? So he's talking to the ones he's been pouring his life into. He says, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? It can be possible that we walk with Jesus, talk with Jesus, go to bed with Jesus, wake up with Jesus, do this Jesus thing, we're in the water, we're on the worship team. It's possible to walk with Him and have no faith. That's why we're having to scream and shout and throw oil and, and everything to try to do what we can, break out you know, the, the cross and do all the... No, you don't have to do that stuff. Just say, Lord, help me. When you live in that dimension of now faith, you just say, Lord, help me. That woman, he said, Lord, help me. Those three words were so powerful that he said, you've got great faith. But when Peter and all the disciples tried to do anything, he said, you have little faith or you have no faith. Here he said, you have no faith. He's measuring, constantly measuring our faith. I wonder what my cup looks like. Sean, I wonder what, if I took my cup out of faith, I wonder what Jesus would say to my cup. Would he look at my cup and say, little? Jay, would he look at my cup and go, mm, no faith. There's nothing in there, Marty. You can't give it all out on Sunday night and, and not refill Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You can't do that. It doesn't work that way. If you get spilled out in pool number two, how many of you serve in pool two? Look all over the room right here. Look at this. If you've ever served in pool two, look. Look at that. 
You can't serve in pool two and be used mightily of God, giving words of knowledge, praying for people, watching miracles and signs and wonders. There's going to be a beautiful miracle you're going to hear about this coming Sunday morning. Beautiful miracle. You need to be here. Um, but you can't move and operate like that on Sunday night and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday live like any other uh, and, and not refill and ask the Lord to fill you and stir you back up and eat the Word and sit down in class in Caneo or, or watch The Chosen or uh, do something. Do something. Well, you know, couldn't really afford Caneo. Do you have a Bible? Well, no. Do you have a phone? Yeah. Open that joker up and download BibleGateway.com or download the Chosen app and do something. Lord, we'll use every doggone excuse. And then when we get to heaven, Jesus is going to say, empty, no faith. I gave you a cup. I asked you to fill it. I told you I would measure it. Everybody's been given a measure of faith. I told you I would increase it. What? He said he would increase it? Hmm. Let's see. Matthew 17. He said, verse 20, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from there, it will move, and nothing will be impossible. Faith as a mustard seed. If you have faith of a mustard seed, now I'm, I won't go into what size the mustard seed is and Hold it in my hand. If you got faith like that. That, 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 is, that is true. That is true. But it does not mean to study yourself that much faith. It means if you've, if you've got great faith, all you would need is a little tiny sliver of it and it move mountains out of your way. It doesn't mean, well, I just sit back and do nothing because all i got to do is have a little bit of faith. My cup just needs a little drop in it, and I'm good. No, that little drop will get you rebuked. That little drop will get the Son of God looking at you saying, No, you little faith perverse generation. That just means if you've got great now faith, it just takes a little bit mustard seed of it to move the mountain. That's what it means. Get full of faith. Let my cup run over with faith. Well, I need to increase it. Okay, I'll show you how to increase it. He, he gives us a clue. I told you, it's an open book test. It always is open book. Acts 6, verse 5. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and Stephen, they chose a man full of faith. His faith, I'm going to get to how you can increase. Stephen's faith was so full, it's the only time in Scripture where Jesus stood up in heaven to salute one of his. The Bible says after Stephen did what he did, laid his life down as a martyr, great faith. Preaching. <laughs> he started preaching. Great faith. And as they're stoning him, his faith caused Jesus to stand up, who was once seated at the right hand of the Father and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. But in a moment, Jesus said, that kind of faith makes me move. You move me when you operate in that kind of faith. 
He stood up to acknowledge the faith, the Bible says, of a man named Stephen, full of faith. I want to live my life in such a way that Jesus stands. Don't you? Well, is Jesus really concerned about my faith? According to Mark chapter 2, the Bible says this. Verse 5, Mark 2. When Jesus saw their faith. It's the story where they lowered the, the man down, the paralytic. They lowered him down because they couldn't get him in the, the door. They couldn't get him in the living room. They couldn't get him in the window. They couldn't get him upstairs. They couldn't get him around the corner. They couldn't get him in any, couldn't get him in the crawl space, couldn't get him anywhere in the room with Jesus. The Bible says they refused to quit. Most of us are just about three feet away from a miracle. We're about three hours away from a miracle. We're about one seed sown into the, a good ministry, good soil, away from the Lord bringing a harvest to us. But we, but, we, but we throw our hands up prematurely and we say, I can't do it anymore. And I believe when we get to heaven, He'll show us, look how close you were. Look how close. And by the way, look how impotent and weak and puny the enemy was. And you thought in your mind that he is some massive pitchfork carrying red devil. You thought he was all this and controlling everything. Oh, the devil made me do it. He's going to say, look, that's what bound you. That little weak, impotent, Stripped, defeated. It will waste our entire lives. And Jesus is going to say, you want me to show you? You really want to see what had you all those years that you were complaining and couldn't do it? I have all power and authority, yet you wanted to yield to him and give him more credit than you ever gave me. You want me to show you who he really is? You want to show? I'll show you. Come here. And you're going to look. And I believe... We know, we know there's no weeping and all of that, but I do believe I'm going to look down and go, oh. he's robbed us of a lot. But it's when you get in that place of now faith. Good God Almighty, let me live in now faith every day of my life. Watch this. In the, in the Old Testament, I'm going to show you something. Can I show you something beautiful? Watch this. <laughs> I love it. Old Testament. Deuteronomy. It's the first time in Scripture where we see the word faith. You might see faithful, but it's the first time in Scripture you'll see the word faith. Verse 30, or chapter 32, verse 20. Deuteronomy 32, 20. It says this. It's the first time you see the word faith. Twice you'll see the word faithful before this, but it's the first time you see the word faith. Deuteronomy 32, it says this. And he said, the creator of the universe is saying this. Jehovah is saying. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are a very perverse generation Children in whom is no 
Faith. That's what that word faith looks like in Hebrew. When you see the word faith, that's it. That's it. That word Hebrew, in Hebrew means, that word faith. It means trust, belief, confidence in. In other words, God's saying right here in Deuteronomy 32, they're a very perverse generation, children in whom there's no trust. They don't trust me. My children just don't trust me. That's what it's saying. They don't believe me. They have no confidence in me. That's what the word means. It means trust, belief, have confidence in. Watch this though. This is how to pronounce the word faith in the Hebrew. I can't say that, but I can say this. This is how it's pronounced. Amun. Amun. Great faith. Faith pronounced. Amun. You know what it sounds like to me? You know what the word amen means? Let it be so. I agree. So from the foundation, Old Testament, the Lord and His children, creator of the universe and His creation, He says, I want you to operate in faith, in trust, in full confidence, full assurance, totally convinced. Amen. That's what faith means. I believe the Lord was telling me as I was studying this, Marty, faith is simple. Just agree with what I said. Just say amen to what I said, and then you'll be in faith. You want to be in faith? Agree with me. Amen. That's all he said to do. If you want to walk in complete now faith, just agree with everything I've said. If I said I'd heal cancer, I'll heal cancer. If I said I'd cast out demons through you, I'll cast out demons through you. He said, I could do it on my own, but I'd rather partner with you. But I can't operate and flow through you if you don't agree with me and say amen, let it be so, because that's faith. But when you take that now faith, amen, let it be so, and apply that in your prayer life, and apply it when you're in the pools, and apply it when you're in the altar, all you're doing, what you've been taught to do, is to use the word of the Lord and speak it and declare it right back to that situation. Isn't that what Pastor Sherry taught you to do? You just take the word, not your opinion, not what you feel. You take the word. When she's asking you to pray that way, what Pastor Sherry's telling you to do or asking you to do is just say amen to what the Lord's already said. And when you operate with amen, you operate in faith. According to the original Hebrew word, faith means amen. Let it be so. Do you know the freedom that comes with that? I don't have to work anything up. I don't have to figure anything out. I just have to quote the word. He said in Isaiah 53, 5, by those stripes. That's what he said. He said he would heal your wounds and restore your health. That's it. He said in Isaiah 53, 5, my God, I love to, I love to flow with the blind eyes and the deaf ears. 
I love that. I don't know, I don't know why the Lord let us, let, let us have that encounter early on with Reed and Blair, the deaf ear, the blind eye, but it's Isaiah. It's Isaiah 35.5. Isaiah, the great prophet, how many hundreds of years before Jesus got on the scene, before Jesus showed up? Six, seven hundred years before Jesus ever shows up. Isaiah the prophet who was, who was in agreement with the word, who was constantly spending time, who was constantly saying amen in faith, prophesies in Isaiah 35.5, when he comes, the Messiah, when he comes, he will open up the blind eye and unstop the deaf ear. So when we're in the water or the altar or wherever we're praying, I have now faith. I have great faith for blind eyes and deaf ears. I have great faith for cancer. Why? I've seen metal plates dissolve. I have seen blind eyes open. I have seen deaf ears pop open. I have seen marriages restored. That's why it's easy for me to pray for marriages. Because I've seen it. You can't convince me otherwise. So, so my, my, back in the day when I just gave my life to Jesus... I really didn't have much faith at all except for in Him. I didn't have faith for healing, for miracles, or nothing. But the longer I've stayed with Him and stayed close to Him, the more my faith has increased because the more I see, the more I'm convinced. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the... Amen comes by the Word. All we're doing is praying the word. That's why it's now faith for me. Because I'm just quoting his word. I'm just amening. I'm, I'm in agreement before I step in the water. I don't have to think about it. I just quote the word. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Amen. Now faith. Let's stand to our feet. Now faith. I won't. Now faith. Here, here's the text I got today. This is why we need now faith. Man, I got to talk about how to increase the faith. Mm. Well, maybe next Wednesday or next time. I want my faith to be increased. Listen to this, this text I got this morning. Very first thing. This is why we need now faith. Y'all okay? Cute don't cut it anymore. <laughs> Gotta have now faith. She said, she said, Pastor Marty, there's a boy from our community that's dying. Cute, don't cut it anymore. Relevant doesn't work anymore. Not for where, not for where we are and what he's called us to do. Relevant doesn't work. Marty, there's a boy from our community that's dying. Our fog machines that we don't have, but the churches, those won't, those won't keep a boy from dying. They'll fill the room of smoke and make it a good atmosphere. The ambiance will be beautiful. 
the smoke in the room will reflect, let the light beam shine through, and it'll be a beautiful shot for our camera crew, but it doesn't raise dead boys. It doesn't get J. Iris' daughter up out of her deathbed. It doesn't. And we don't, it's not like we're bashing other ministries or churches that have that stuff. We're just not there anymore. This is not where we are. That's why you don't see fog. If you see fog, the glory of God's fell. <laughs> it's not us. There's a boy from our community that's dying. I shared with our mutual, mutual friend, it's his and her son that's dying, about the revival and told them about the towels, and they want one. We sent it out today. We overnighted it. I believe since this post, the doctors have said they are not sure what they can do. But we know who the healer is. She said, I'll Venmo and donate money for Christ Fellowship Church if we can get a towel. I said, absolutely not. You don't Venmo us anything. You don't, you don't pay for this. It's our honor to do this. His dad put, this is, this is the dad. From the bottom of our hearts, Kelly and I want to thank you for praying for our little Brock star. I wish I had better news to share. However, Brock's diagnosis is disheartening. He has primary CNS melanoma. His cancer started in his central nervous system, very likely his brain. This type of cancer is very rare, very deadly. He has a team of neuro-oncologists here at Scottish Rite working to develop the best treatment plan for Brock. The cancer in and of itself is very rare, even in adults, but the oncologists have never seen this type of cancer in a toddler. He's only three. They put a, a crying face, tear face. The dad. We have a very difficult road ahead of us, and we'll be fighting hard for Brock's life over the next several months. Please pray that Jesus gives Brock's oncologist team the knowledge of the best treatment plan for him. They don't have a treatment protocol at this time to follow because of the rarity of the cancer type and Brock's young age. Little faith won't get Brock killed. This little boy. Little faith won't do that. Now faith will. We've got to have now faith. Right now faith. So I wrote back. I said, I'm fully persuaded. I'm fully persuaded that this little boy will be healed. We're going we're gonna to have a team member pray over that cloth. We're going to overnight it. I have no doubt. Zero. That this young man will have a testimony like no other. That when he's in his 80s, he will declare the goodness of the Lord. I believe it. Why? Because we've seen metal plates dissolve. Legs grow back. Marriage is restored. Eczema leave people's bodies. Scars disappear. Now faith. Now faith. 
Got to keep that now faith tank full. Because the enemy, the enemy doesn't want us to live in now faith. He wants us to question. You know how you can question? This guy this almost got me. Man, we're in the water every Sunday night. We're moving and going and laying hands on people, going from 8 at night to 6.30 in the morning sometimes. And this is beautiful. Man, the stamina is amazing. God's good. Why? Because the Spirit of God doesn't run out. Faith is always full and overflowing. He never gets tired. As long as you tap into now faith, you will ne- the Spirit of God will supernaturally grace you. You won't get hungry. You won't be tired. I mean, just the opposite. You're not surviving. You're thriving at 6.30 in the morning. Why? Naturally, you can't do that. But, but now faith, you can. Now faith, you can. But here's where the enemy gets me. In there flowing and everything. And then all of a sudden. <clears throat> <clears throat> and then, boy, you get the aches. And then I'm out four or five days. The enemy begins to whisper to me. See? Told you. Told you I'm going to get you. Told you I'm coming after you. Don't dare think you're going to do I'm coming after you. I remember being at home thinking I'm going to die. I really did. I thought, man, my lungs are going to harden up somehow like concrete. I'm not going to get through this thing. Man. So, lest you think any of us have angels putting our clothing on and patting us nicely on the rear end and helping us get to the office... I struggle a lot. I wouldn't say daily, but I struggle a lot with, you know, keeping that cup full to overflowing. You have to fight for it. You know one of the greatest things the enemy hates about you? Ooh, I'm going to help you. Then we're going to close. I'm going to help you. You know one of the greatest things the enemy hates about you? It's not your income, it's not your title, it's not your degrees, it's not how much scripture you know. <laughs> well, I'm a believer, I should be able to work in full power. No, the demons believe. The Bible says even the demons believe. So, so you knowing scripture helps, but scripture without that now faith, you're not going to do a whole lot. That's why sometimes we pray, well, I used, I used Isaiah 53.5. And you did it just like that, like timid. No, doggone it. I know by those stripes you're about to be healed right now. Right now it's going to be, now it may manifest in two weeks, but right now you're getting your healing. Here's the greatest thing. The enemy hates this about you. He trembles when you do this. And that's when you have your quiet time or worship time, or prayer time, or scripture reading, or whatever you're doing. That study time, he hates that. Because he knows your cup is getting full. When you get into the word of God, he knows you're connecting with the amen part of faith. And he hates, hates it. When you get revelation of the word, he hates that. When you commune with the Father, he hates that. When you take communion, as, as Jesus he, he commanded us, not encouraged, he commanded us to do it in remembrance of him. He commanded it, and it, it, it causes um, the enemy to get migraines and diarrhea. I'm speaking that on him right now. It gives the enemy migraines that he can't control and uncontrollable 
Y'all, it's, it's time we frustrate him. It is. It is time to do a 180. I'm going to close with that. It's time to do a 180 from the intimidated to becoming the intimidators. When we wake up every day, hell regrets the day my two feet hit planet earth because he knows I am amen, yes and amen, before God even asks me, yes and amen. Pray for the sick, yes and amen. Uncomfortable, scared, do it afraid. My yes is yes no matter what I feel. I'm operating in now faith. Hmm. You know what I'm going to do tomorrow? I'm going to do a Facebook Live and, 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 and finish up on this now faith and show how we can increase our faith. I'll do that. So I, didn't, I didn't do it tonight. It'll be fun. So tune in tomorrow. Lord, tonight we love you. We operate in now faith. Wherever we're leaving to go to right now, if we come across anybody sick, lame, deaf, blind, struggling, Lord, no matter what, we want to operate, we will operate, we will operate in now faith. We will declare your word and your goodness and your covenant promises, Lord. We will do it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen, amen. amen.